Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. To the book of John, chapter 11, and we're going to read the first seven verses. We've been in this series called Above All. And in this series, we've been reading all of the different miracles that Jesus did. We did that, and we are doing that because we see through every miracle that he's above them all, right? He's above any sort of sickness. He's above any sort of, of demon possession that we saw. He's above death. Everything that was thrown at him. He rose above them all. And so when we see what, we, what he did, we see who he is. And so today, we're going to go to John chapter 11. We're actually going to break stride just a little bit, and you'll see what I mean in just a moment, okay? So John chapter 11, verse 1, you got to say amen? amen? All right, here we go. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, the one you love is very sick. How about that guilt, right? It's like they didn't just tell him, hey, our brother is sick. They're like, Lord, the one you love is sick. They're they're trying to make that point, that emphasis, right? You got to come because the one you love is sick. Verse four, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of God. I, the son of God, will receive glory from this. Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days and did not go to them. Verse 7, finally. Everybody say finally. Finally, Finally, after two days, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought, divine delays, okay? Divine delays. Where you're at, join me. Let's pray that God would just speak to us in our time together. Father, we thank you for everything that you are doing here and what you're getting ready to do in this moment. I pray, Father, that our hearts and our minds would be open to receive your word. I pray, Father, that we would block out all of the distractions, just really lean in and to to what your word is going to teach us today. We believe, God, that you are going to come today uh, and, and not just encourage us, but I believe you're coming with force and power and authority. And, and God, we need that right now. We need your authority in our lives and in our country. So come, Father, we are ready to receive everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Divine delays. Have you ever had something happen to a loved one that puts you in a state of urgency. Now, all the parents that are watching online and they're in the room, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever had a child get sick or a loved one get sick, it puts you in a panic. It puts you in a state of emergency. And a couple of years ago, this actually happened to my son, Jude. Jude is my second son. He's uh, now six years old. But when he was three years old, about three years back now, um, we discovered he had asthma. Uh, But the way that we found out that he had asthma was actually quite tragic. So Jude wasn't feeling him like himself one evening. And so, you know, we did like every good parent. We're like Benadryl and bedtime and that'll get the job done. And so we gave him some Benadryl and we put him to bed, but I I couldn't help but notice that through the night he had very labored 
breathing. He was just having a hard time breathing. And um, it began to trouble me. I'm, I'm thinking there, there's got to be something wrong because it's just, it doesn't feel normal. And, and you know, my wife kept saying, just, he's going to sleep it off. He's going to be fine. Come the morning, he's going to be okay. But I remember not really being able to sleep. And I, I walked over to his bed and I, I put my hand on his heart. And as I put my hand on his heart, his heart is racing. So he's sleeping, but he's not racing. He's not resting because when your heart is beating that fast, you're not resting. You're not getting any rest. I told my wife, I said, there's something wrong with Jude. And she said, no, no, he's going to be much better in the morning. But I, but, but I told her because I'm a good, good father. Okay. That's who I am. But, but I, I said, there's just something like that's not normal for his heart to beat that fast because he can't sustain that. His little heart can't be beating that fast. And so she said, okay, well, let me call the nurse. And so my wife, she, she called the nurse and sure enough, the nurse said, your husband is a smart man. You need to bring your son in. I'm kidding. Uh, but the nurse did say, you need to bring him in so we can take a look at him because everything that you're describing doesn't sound good. So, so there I go scooping up my son off of his little bed and uh, he's, he's just mad. He's like, daddy, I don't want to go. And you know, he's screaming and I'm like, you're going. And I put him in the back of my little car. I got a blanket. And this is about 11 o'clock at night, just to give you a point of rest. About 11 o'clock at night when all of this is going down on a Sunday. And so I drive over to the ER. It was about 25 minutes from the house. And, and I pick him up off the car and I'm carrying him because he's knocking out every step. Like he's falling asleep. But again, his heart's just beating, beating, beating. And um, I, I, I carry him right to the counter and I plop him on the counter and they've got the nurse working the ER uh, reception. You know, there's no receptionist at that time. You go right to the nurse. So the nurse says, okay, what's going on? I said, you know, we called the, the nurse's line. I said, get him in here as soon as we can. We're here. And so he's checking him in and, and you know, he starts checking his vitals just like right there. They had all the equipment right there. So even before they take him back, so he checks his vitals, he does his stethoscope, you know, they put the little thing on his finger and all that. And then, you know, he picks up the room. He's like, da, 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 da. picks up the phone and he's calling. He's like, get the room ready. Mr. Herrera, you're, you're not going to go wait. We got the room ready right now. Let's go. And I'm thinking, this is great. This is awesome. You know, I'm, I'm panicked, but I'm so glad I don't have to sit in that ER lobby because aren't those ER lobbies the worst? They are like the worst, right? So I'm like, okay, wait, let's get this done, you know? And so we go, they take him, they triage him, they're fast. They're like, let's go. They get him on a bed. Next thing you know, they put the mask on his face and they've got the nebulizer going, right? So the nebulizer's going and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be great. About an hour of this, maybe 90 minutes of this, it'll all be better. We'll go back home and it's going to be a very hard Monday morning, but we're going to be okay. Um, well, here's the thing. The nebulizer wasn't working. And, um, and you know, 30 minutes goes by. An hour goes by. And then 90 minutes goes by. And then the doctor says, all right, Mr. Rare, here's the deal. Um, the nebulizer's not working. He's not moving oxygen through his lungs. And I'm thinking, okay, that can't be good. But we're in a hospital, so I'm like hopeful. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's go on to the next thing. And so he said, we just so happened to have the doctor on call from pediatrics. She's coming down. I'm like, okay, cool. So she comes down and she checks the chart. She's looking at him. She's trying to get some, um, so trying to get some information out of my little boy. How are you feeling? You know, she's doing all of that. And um, she walks out of the room and she comes back back and she goes, okay, Mr. Rara, I just want to let you know that you're going to be staying the night because he's not moving oxygen through his lungs. And in, in, in a moment, that's when I realized something was serious because then these four male nurses walk in, right? And there's four of them. And I'm like, it's my three-year-old son. Like, I could carry him. But four dudes come in next to you. know, they're like disconnecting machines. They're, they're plugging things in. They're strapping him down. They're moving him on the bed. And at that point, I'm like, wait a second. I think something's wrong. So then I asked the doctor in that moment. I, I said, is everything okay? And she stopped. She goes, 
Mr. Ray, let me just tell you this. You brought him in at the right time. And that's when I knew this was a lot more serious than I thought. But there was an urgency that I had because it's my son. It's my, it's my boy. And, and, and we stayed with him. Now, thank God, you know, three days later we were able to go. But, but for three days, they were trying to get my little boy's lungs dialed in. And, and it's funny because it's Jude. And if you know my son Jude, I mean, he's like as close as they come to Spider-Man. He climbs walls. He's very energetic. But um, thank God he's doing great now. But that first stay, it was three days in the hospital. Well, they tried to really get this under control. But they said it could have been very bad. And so there was an urgency that I had because it was someone that I loved. Now, in the story, Jesus loved Lazarus, but he took his time. So I contrast that with what I was feeling as a father. But Jesus is like, I love Lazarus. That's, that's my guy. So what took him so long? Why did he wait? And that's really what I want to dig into in our story. Like I said, I'm going to do things a little different because every single week I'm, I'm attacking a miracle. But I think I'm going to actually stay on this miracle for a couple of days because there's just so much that we've got to dig into. So th there's a few things that I want to um, point out here in the text and then we'll get into some application. And the first one is this. Um, Lazarus is sick. He, he's, he's deathly ill. It's not like he's got the cold, okay? It's like, no, he's, he's deathly ill ill. And when they get the messages out to Jesus, there's two things that these sisters really emphasize, Mary and Martha. First off, they went to Jesus and said, Jesus, Lazarus, whom you love is sick. So they're now appealing to his humanity, if you will. They're saying, okay, you love him. You really ought to come check in on him. And, and that's one thing of note. The second thing of note is the fact that they went to him because they knew that he was a healer. They had seen Jesus heal people before. They weren't saying, come and hang out. They were like, could you come and heal our brother? Because we know you got the power, okay? We know, we know you are from God. We know that you have authority, and so we need you to come. But Jesus doesn't come. Jesus hangs out right where he is. He doesn't come, and uh, he decided, I, I'm just going to wait right here where I am at, and I will get there when I get there. Now, the crazy thing about that is he actually allows Lazarus to die. All right? Like, well, okay, you're just going to let him die? Like, I thought you loved him, loved him. Or do you kind of love him? Do you like love, love him? You know, it's one of those things like, what's going to happen? And so he lets him die. And I'm going to give you the end of the story. And then we're going to break it all down. Eventually, Jesus shows up. And then he comes in and he resurrects Lazarus. And the family's happy. And everyone's excited Jesus did it again. But sprinkled in that story is so much truth that I want to unpack in our time today. Because my juxtaposition is this. Why did Jesus take so long to get to Lazarus? If Jesus loved Lazarus, why did he let Lazarus die? So let's pull on that thread. The first thing that I want you to write down, and for those of you that are taking notes at home, I want you to write this down. Uh, I'm going to say some things you might not have heard it like this. And so I want you to get this. The first thing is this, write this down. Time is a tool for God. Time is a tool for God. In the book of Genesis, if you go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back in creation, you, we, we see God creating everything, absolutely everything. And then on the fourth day, he creates the sun and the moon. I'll read it to you. And God said, let the bright lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. They will be signs to mark off the seasons, the days, and the years. So on the fourth day of creation, God creates 
time. This is the first time. There's no time, first, second, third day, no time. It's just eternity. But on the fourth day, God said, I'm going to create the sun and I'm going to create the moon. And the passing of the sun and the moon and the earth moving, that is now going to separate seasons, days, and years. But, but God created time to accomplish his will here on earth. So, so creation is something that God created. A time is something that God created, but he created it to accomplish his will here on earth. Here's something that you can write down. Now, creation is not greater than the creator. So if God created time, then what he created is not greater than him. Time is a tool in the hands of God. Now, now, it's different from us because when Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus, they were running out of time. When, when they ran to him and they said, our brother is deathly sick, they were out of time. And they were trying to tell him, like, Jesus, you don't have much time. But what they didn't know is that he can't be out of something that he created. They were trying to tell him, time's running out. He's like, I created time. I'm never out of time because time is my tool. Time is what I created. You're bound by time, but I'm not bound by time. Let me explain it this way, okay? We can see how time is different in the way that we treat time and the way God treats time. And we'll break it down, okay? The way that we treat time is like this. We measure time by minutes, days, months, years. And time for us, most often, is linear, right? There's minutes. They turn into hours and they turn into days and they turn into weeks and months and years. And so time for us is a linear thing, right? There's, there's a beginning and there's an ending and we're just going down this spectrum. It's a, it's a linear spectrum. And then we say some silly things about time. We say this of time, time heals all wounds as if time had the capacity to heal wounds. Or we'll say it's only a matter of time because we, we see time as linear, do you want to know how God sees time? God sees time as something that is cyclical or it is a cycle. It's different. God sees time as a cycle. We see it as linear. Now, you actually see evidences of it. I'm going to prove it to you this way. You see evidences of cyclical time this way. If, you, if you're in fifth grade... Okay, you're going to be in fifth grade for roughly nine months, 10 months. That's roughly a school year. And, 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 and being in the fifth grade, you're not going to complete fifth grade just because time passes. No, you actually have to show up and take tests and pass tests. So you don't go to sixth grade just because time passed. You go to sixth grade when you have completed and graduated fifth grade. What happens if you don't graduate fifth grade? You take it again. In other words, the cycle begins again. You get what I'm saying? So there's actually some evidences of linear time if we choose to look at it through that lens. Because if you don't pass fifth grade, you don't move on to sixth grade. So the cycle is bound to repeat itself. So most of the time we look, as time, we look at time as linear and God looks at time as a cycle. So here's what happens. Jesus loves Lazarus and he loves Mary and Martha, but Mary and Martha knew that Jesus was a healer. But now watch this. It was their time to see him as the resurrection. They knew him as the healer, but it was time for them to get the revelation that Jesus is not just a healer, but Jesus is the resurrection. 
So let me put it to you this way. Have you ever wondered why it feels like you've been going through the same thing over and over and over? Have you ever had to deal with something that would go for like months and years? Have you ever been through something where it felt like I keep repeating this? It feels like this keeps happening over and over again. Perhaps it's because you have been going through it rather than growing through it. There's a big difference. You could be going through something and still not yet be growing through something. You can go through fifth grade, but if you don't pass the test, you didn't actually grow. You just go. And so sometimes in our life, we see this. We're going through this cycle that doesn't seem to end because we're only going through. But we're not growing through. Come on, tell your neighbor you've got to grow. You have got to grow. I've seen this happen. I've seen some, some amazing people. And, 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 and they, they, they are some of the smartest people. They're intelligent. They've got degrees. And they always end up with the same losers in a relationship. They're in this, sake, this cycle of bad relationships. Why? Because they haven't grown. And so just because you did it once and you did it twice and you did it three. Now it doesn't matter. You can go through something but not necessarily grow through something. And God's trying to get us to grow through something. You, you can be stuck in a dead end job and run from dead end job and run from dead end job. Why? Because you've not yet grown. And there's a lot of people that are going through something but they are not growing through something. And so you're bound to repeat that cycle until you begin to grow. Y'all ready for the next thing? Okay, so here's the deal. We got to grow through it. So time reveals to us what is known to God. Time reveals to us what is already known to God. Isaiah 46.10 says this, only I can tell you what is going to happen even before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. That's God talking to the prophet Isaiah. If you read that in the King James Version, it says, I know the ending from the beginning. God knows the ending from the beginning. That's why I say time reveals to us what is already known to God because God already knows how it's going to turn out. You don't know how it's going to turn out, but God knows how it's going to turn out because everything that's happening in our life is like rewind to God because he knows the ending. We go through it and we're like, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm right where I need to be. Because you see, I know how this story ends. And, and because I know how this story ends, I'm right in the place that I need to be. And so we freak out because, you know, we, we don't know how we're going to get through all this stuff. And time is passing. But here's the thing. Time is just, um, when, when you talk about God and you talk about the way he treats time, time is a thing to God. It is not the only thing to God. Because time is a tool in his hands, it is a thing, but it's not the only thing. He could care less about how much time has passed if you've not grown. He doesn't care how much time has passed if you're not seeing the things that he's trying to get you to see in that season of your life. Oh, but months are passing. Uh-huh. And until you start to see things the way I see things, you're going to stay right there. But God has been two years and it's going to be two more years if you don't learn to grow. And so time allows us to, re, to see what God already sees. We, we, we see this in his statement here in, 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 um, when he says here in verse four, when he tells him Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. What is he talking about? Ending, ending, okay? Now, now notice what he does not say. He doesn't say Lazarus will not die. That's not what he says. He says it will not end in death. 
two different things. I, when, when, when they got word, when they got word that, that Jesus said, this is not going to end in death, I bet you they were throwing a party. They're like, okay, good. Jesus is going to show up. He's going to heal them. This is going to be good. They had no idea that Jesus left off one little detail. <laughs> when he said, it's not going to end in death, what he didn't tell them was like, he's going to die first, but it ain't going to end in death. And, and, and that, that's kind of an important detail, right? That's something like it would have been nice to know that. But, but here's the deal. When God gives you a word, when, every time God gives you the word, he speaks to the end of something. You need to get this in your spirit, okay? When God gives you a word, he speaks to the end of something. He doesn't speak to the middle. He always speaks to the ending. What happens to us is we hear the ending. You get a word from God and God saying, I'm going to do all of this in your life. Well, we hear the ending. What we don't know anything about is the middle. But here's what you need to know about God. God delivers on the end, but you have to make it through the middle. I'm going to say that one more time, okay? For you that are watching that line at home. God delivers on the end, but you've got to make it through the middle. Come on, tell your neighbor, you have got to make it. Come on, type that in the comments section. You have got to make it through the middle. Think about this for a second. Mary and Martha, you've got to know that this is not going to end in death for your brother. But that doesn't mean he isn't going to die. As a matter of fact, Jesus allows Lazarus to die for Mary and Martha's benefit. Because he says that later. We're going to talk about that next week when he said, Lazarus is dead, but I did that for you. Like, what? What is for me? I mean, that's my brother. Couldn't you think of another way to teach me a lesson? Uh, sit down on a rock or something and let's open up a book, but you're going to just kill my brother off? But, but think about this for a second. When, when, when he tells them that it won't end in death, but yet he allowed Lazarus to die, he did this in order for them to get a fresh revelation of God. They, they, they knew him as a healer, but they didn't know him as a resurrection. See, this is, this is the thing about revelation. Let me work this out. Revelation is finally seeing what God has always seen. That's revelation. Don't confuse revelation with creation. When something is created, it didn't exist, and now it's, it exists. Revelation is God saw something that always existed. You just couldn't see it yet. So whenever someone says, I got a revelation, it means that you are now finally seeing what God has always wanted you to see. And here's how revelation happens. You move into a position that you can finally see what God already saw. Revelation is when events, people, or things force you to move in order to see something that's always been there. But here's the key to revelation. Revelation happens when you move. Revelation only happens when you move. That's why you can't stop in the middle. You have to move through the middle. This is why you can't give up in the middle. You have to move through the middle. This is why if you just stay in one spot and linear time is passing by, you're not going to go to the next level because you've not moved. God wants you to move because he's trying to reveal something to you. So as long as you are where you are, you'll never see the thing that God is trying to get you to see. He allows events to happen in our lives because if that event doesn't happen, you won't move. You won't move. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of, I can be a bit drama with my kids sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, I got my boys and parents, you watching online at home, you've done this too. How many of you pretended like you left the house because your kid wouldn't come down and get in the car? I've done it. Come on. 
like drama, right? It's like, all right, Jude, I'm gone. And I shut the door. I'll be in the, I'll be in the driveway. And it's the funniest thing. My kid comes running out, tears down his eyes. Don't leave me. And I'm like, that's the only way I could get him to move. And sometimes that's like the image of us. You know what I'm saying? God's like, you got to move. You got to move. You got to move. And we don't want to move. Finally, God's like, all right, I'm going to move. And then it's like, where are you, God? Well, I moved. And I'm trying to get you to move because I've got fresh revelation for your life. But you don't want to move. You want to stay in that relationship. You want to stay in that job. You want to stay in that brokenness. You want to stay in that place. And God's like, if you don't move, you're not going to see everything that I have for you. Here's the deal. If Lazarus doesn't die, then you don't get to see Jesus be the resurrection. So someone has to die. And I'm here to tell you that there might be things in your life that have to die in order for you to see what Jesus is trying to do through you. Come on, you that are watching online, what has to die in your life? What has to die in your life? Some of us are walking around with things in our life that we've got to kill off. Things, temptations, and sin that we're struggling with. Kill that thing. You know what I'm saying? You've got to, you, there's, there's that analogy. If, if there are two dogs that are equal in strength and they get into a fight, which dog is going to win? Well, the dog that's, that you starve is the dog that loses. And in our life, you're going to deal with temptation of the flesh. You got to starve that thing. You've got, that's how you kill that thing. You starve that thing. And there's some things in your life that have to die. How do I kill it, Pastor Josh? Starve it. Stop feeding it. If there's a relationship in your life, starve that thing. Stop calling. Block them if you have to. You know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, Pastor Josh, I can't stand him. But every time he calls, hello. <laughs> and you, God, I'm praying for a better man. And God's like, well, if you just dump the joker that, that I'm trying to get out of your life, I've got someone better to send. But you keep feeding that thing that you should be starving. Let me ask you, what needs to die in your life? Because for Mary and Martha... As difficult as it was, their brother had to die in their life. They were never going to see Jesus as the resurrection until that happened. And here's my last point. Divine delays will develop you. Divine delays will develop you. The delay between the anointing and the arrival is God's way of developing us. Let me say that one more time. I want you to get that. The delay between God anointing you and calling you to do something and the arrival and the actual fulfillment of that thing happening, that is God's way of developing us. Let me give it to you this way. When David was anointed as king of Israel, okay, the prophet comes to his house, Samuel pulls the, pours the oil over his head, he anoints him to be the king. Does David from there run to the palace? No. Nope. Let me ask you this. Does David run from there to the battlefield to fight Goliath? No. Where, where does David go? Right back into the fields. Months, if not years, pass by before David actually makes his way to a battlefield to fight Goliath. That's why I say God speaks to the end of the thing. When the prophet came and spoke to David and said, you're going to be the next king, he didn't tell about fighting no, he didn't tell about fighting no giant. And he didn't tell him about Saul hurling spears at his head. He, he didn't tell him about all the sort of crazy that he was going to have to deal, him with, deal with. He didn't tell him about how David would lead all his mighty men into war. And while they were gone, the Amalekites came and, and, and raped their wives and murdered their children. He didn't tell David any of that. What did he tell him? You're going to be the king. And that's, that's what God does. He gives you the ending. 
But you got to make it through the middle. And the middle is the place where you have got to be developed. So don't ever confuse development with delay in your life or you will abort God's process for your life. Don't confuse development with delay. I just don't know where God is. I mean, I keep praying to him, been going to church, been faithful with my tithe. I put an offering. I even write my future husband's name on the, offer, on the offering envelope when I give the offering. Where are you, God? And it's like, you know, too many people, they, they confuse delay with development. And they, they, they think, God, where are you? Let me tell you the tragedy of when you confuse development with delay. What happened to King Saul? How did he lose his kingship? How did, when the prophet came to Saul and said, that's it, you ain't king anymore. Why was it? Because Saul couldn't wait through the delay. He was ready to go to war and they said, okay, we'll go to war as soon as the prophet gets here. And, and, and could Saul wait? Saul couldn't wait. Saul, Saul had to go into battle. He, he could not Wait, and so there is a delay that happened there. And if you abort the process, you will miss out on all of the plans that God has for your life. You know, this actually happens in, in childbirth, right? If, if a child is not full term, they call that a premature baby. And the likelihood of life is actually greatly inhibited. Not, not many of them make it, but you know that the, the possibility of death is greatly increased through a premature birth when, when a baby doesn't go through the development process. And so you have got to know when God is giving you a divine delay because the divine delay is meant to develop you. I'm coming to close now. Jesus said in the text this, he said, although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he stayed right where he was for the next two days. Let me, let me try to paint this picture for you, okay? Imagine the anguish Mary and Martha must have felt. They, they send their messenger and they say, go tell Jesus, Lazarus is about to die. He's very sick. Get him over here. So the messenger goes and then the messenger comes back and then Mary and Martha say, what did he say? Well, well, I got great news for you. Here's what he said. He said that your brother, he's not going to die. And the reason he's sick is because God's going to get the glory out of it. Mary and Martha must have been so excited. That's amazing. That's great news. So where is he? And the messenger's like, I don't know. I mean, he told me and I came, but he sat down. Okay. And the messenger probably told him, he'll be here soon. I I'm sure he'll, maybe he just wanted to eat. You know, it's a few days journey. Yeah, 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 no problem. Okay, so... You know, minutes go by and minutes turn into hours. And the sisters are probably like, he probably should have been here by now. The messenger got here. If he left shortly after, he should be here any minute now. And then it's a day. And then it's another day. And Lazarus is getting worse. And Mary and Martha are probably thinking, Jesus needs to hurry. He needs to get here like ASAP. And while that's happening, we read in the Bible that Jesus is just hanging out. He's like, oh, we're going to go. Disciples are like, when? When I'm ready. Okay. And here's the crazy thing. Jesus does nothing for the next 48 hours. It's not like Jesus hung out because let me go to the temple and teach or let me go to the synagogue or let me go heal someone. The Bible records a whole lot of nothing for the next 48 hours. I'm in my Bible. Go and read it. There's nothing. All right. Nothing of significance happened. Jesus is just like, you know, living his best life. 
hanging out for 48 hours, kind of like self-quarantining or something, you know? Like, he's just in no hurry. And again, there's no reason for it. He wouldn't heal anybody. He didn't teach anything. He just hung out. But nonetheless, two days later, Jesus says, all right, let's go. The disciples are probably thinking, what did we just do for the last 48 hours? Like, it was a complete waste of time. But I'm sure they didn't say that because it's Jesus and, you know, they're trying to be respectful. But, but maybe it was Peter who thought like, yeah, we did a whole lot of nothing for the last 48 hours. But Jesus waited and they start walking. Now, it's a, a few days journey. Now, what's happened since then is Lazarus has died. And Mary and Martha were probably thinking, man, he didn't make it. He, we waited as long as we could but he's dead now. So let's just mourn his death. And they're mourning. And the next day it's day two. And they're probably thinking, man, I hope Jesus comes because it'd be nice to have a funeral with him here. I know he couldn't make it here to do the resurrection. I know he didn't make it here to do the healing, but maybe he'll make it to the funeral. And then it's the third day. And by that time, it's Jewish custom. They're like, hey, it's time to put that body inside of the tomb. Okay. We got to move it thing because tomorrow that body's going to start to stink. So on the third day, they have a funeral. And again, Mary and Martha are probably like, where's Jesus? He said he was coming. He, he said he was on his way. He, he's, he said my brother wasn't going to die. Remember, that's not what he said, but that's what they heard. And they're probably wondering, do we get it right? Is, is he really, is he really is who he said he is? Because he said he wasn't going to die, but he's dead now. And I, I mean, I was all in on him. I mean, I believe this was the Messiah. I mean, I saw him do a lot of crazy things, but he said my brother wouldn't die and he's dead. And now we're placed him in a tomb. And now it's the fourth day. It's the fourth day and Mary and Martha, I mean, they probably even figured out he ain't coming. He, he's not coming. We, you know, we tried, did everything we could. Don't know why. We'll have to ask him the next time we hear him, next time we see him, but he's not coming. And then off in the distance, they see 13 people coming their way. Jesus rolled with the posse, you know what I'm saying? It's not like just Jesus come home by himself. He's got 12 disciples, right? So you, it, it, it's a scene when he's walking in. And so off in the distance, here comes 13 people, 13 grown men. And Mary and Martha are like, oh, now he's going to show up. You know, they probably have some attitude. That's the way I imagine it, right? In my mind, Mary and Martha, you know, they got a little hood in them. They're like, oh, now he's just going to walk up in here, you know? He's going to walk up in here like nothing happened, you know? And uh, we're going to dig into more of the story tomorrow, but, but here's where I want to land this thing. I imagine that when Jesus finally gets to the house and Mary and Martha are getting ready to come out and greet him, maybe not so lovingly, if Jesus had an iPhone, he would have probably pulled it out from his robe, looked at the time, put it back in his pocket and look at his disciples and tells them this, we arrived right on time. We're here right on time. Now, you know the end of the story and we're gonna get into that some more, but when Jesus arrived, he arrived at the time he intended to arrive. He's not bound by time. And as we'll later learn in the story, he's not bound by death either. You've gotta know that the delays in your life are ordained by God to develop something on the inside of you. Jesus was developing something on the inside of Mary and Martha. And everything that he said was going to happen eventually comes to pass. But I just want to rest in that moment right there. I don't want to go further into the story until we really get that into our spirits. He's not bound by time. It's all cyclical to him. It's not linear. 
they were freaking out. Was he ever freaking out? Nah. He walks in. It's like, all right, boys, it's time to get to work. To everyone else, it's over. And to Jesus, he's ready to get started. And I want to tell that to you watching on the, wherever you're watching from right now, on the other side of that lens. If you think it's over, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is just getting ready to get started. You're not dead yet. You're not done yet. You might've made a mistake. You might've done something you shouldn't have done. Let me tell you, God's not done with you yet. And he's ready to get started. And just know that he's looking to develop you and to take you from one level to the next level. Every single delay is divine and ordained by God. Come on, let me lead you in a prayer all over this place. And for those of you watching from home, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.